All right, wake up, everybody. It's time to get your head right, get your game right. We got Andy Dirks here with uh, the show Get Your Game Right. We're talking about the mental side of baseball, things that correlate in life, real-life experiences. This is why today on the show we have Brad Rolf. He is from Pella, Iowa. His son just, just kind of went through the journey. He's extremely passionate about the game. He reached out to me uh, to try to add some input and give us, give us some feedback. We appreciate that stuff so much. Uh, get your game right without you guys and without telling us how we're doing things of that nature and adding your input. Uh, we're nothing. So Brad, it's great to have you on the show. I really look forward to uh, talking to you and picking your brain a little bit. Hey, thanks Andy. It's great to be here. Uh, I love what you're doing. And I think uh, you're adding a lot of value to uh, young baseball players and coaches. And I'm excited about that and I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah. So that's exactly what we're trying to do here is just add some value, add some experience from different people. So Brad has just went through this entire process. His son is 18. He's going to Iowa Western University, which is a community college in Iowa. First of all, congratulations to him and to you on that achievement. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, he loves the game and he loves to play. It's pretty much the only sport he's ever played, um, except for a few dabbles and some other things. So he loves the game and he he loves to play it, and he's excited about uh, starting his college journey here in about uh, four days. Oh, that's so awesome. I, I know you guys are pumped up, and I wish nothing but the best for him. So you, you yourself, you've coached for about 20 years. You've been a head coach. You've also spent, uh, uh, obviously, the last 15 or plus uh, walking your son through the journey and with your son through this journey of what, what, what baseball is now for a youth uh, things like you said, you did some perfect game stuff. You've been to probably tryout camps. Can you just kind of run us through a little bit of that process and what it looked like uh, for the Rolfs uh, going through it? Yeah, sure can. Uh, I was coaching high school varsity baseball when my son got into baseball at about four or five years old. and He started to show an interest in it. And um, we just started playing it a lot in the backyard and playing a lot of catch and hitting a lot of wiffle balls. And um, – that really developed his passion for the game, just playing in the backyard and having fun. And I think that's a great place to start with kids is get them playing a lot. He didn't play any organized baseball until he was about eight or nine. And that was a great decision for him and for our family. Um, so as far as the whole process goes, he's played some little league and a local league for a couple of years. He played on a travel team for about five years, which was a amazingly good experience for us. Uh, he's done perfect game for about four years. Um, we've done all the showcases, all the, the tryouts, all the college clinics and everything. So I've got a really good perspective on the whole thing. Looking back, there's some things I would do differently probably, but um, we made a lot of good decisions too. Yeah, you, you hit on – just go through a couple of those those points that you might have done a little bit differently. I think uh, it sounds like you got the right mindset to me as far as, hey, let's not get them into organized ball and play 100 games when they're, when they're six years old and burn them out, you know, things of that nature. What, what are a couple things just off the top of your head uh, that you can think of that you might have adjusted a little bit on that path? Uh, one thing I would say is after about 10 years old, we went exclusively to travel ball. And one regret that I have for my son is that he didn't play any home games in his hometown from about age 10 to about age 15. Mm -hmm. So for about five years, it was all on the road playing, um, you know, 50 to 100 miles away. So um, – we didn't have a great league at the time where we felt like he could really be pushed playing good competition. So that was what kind of weighed in the team's decision to pull the whole team away from the local league um, and go play travel. We had a great experience, but I wish he could have played some home games 
um, I remember jumping on my bike when I was that age and riding to the local park and, and going and playing with my buddies. And now I live about a block away from that park. I used to play out when I was a kid and those are great memories. And I think that's one thing he may have missed out on. Um, so, you know, as far as other regrets go, I, I, I don't have a lot of other big ones, really. Um, we really focus on development his whole career and not, um, I really try to live by Eric Cressy's words when he talks about, don't try to just get out there and get seen, try to develop something worth being seen. Mm-hmm. And so everything we've done has been kind of from a development standpoint and not just a, let's go out and see who can see my son play. And that's one thing I really, I'm really glad we did right is, is just focused on development all the way through. Yeah. That's a huge, huge uh, item that's missed, you know, cause kids that have natural talent, natural ability, it will take them so far without, without yep. having some development exactly. along the way, learning the game, learning kind of the ins and outs, learning your strengths and weaknesses. Uh, development takes time. It takes some patience on, on probably, you know, as a dad and a coach on your, your part, but also the player's part, you know, it, it's got to be a little bit frustrating at times uh, to want to see your kids succeed, but understand, Hey, this is a process. Stay positive and encourage them throughout. It's going to be way more beneficial. Absolutely. You're exactly right. And one thing I see that if, if I could change anything about youth baseball, I would have parents take more ownership over their kids development and say, Hey, we're not going to rely on this coach to develop him as a hitter. We're going to do what we need to do as a family. The, 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 the players I see succeeding in the game, the parents and the players are taking charge of their kids' development and getting them to the lessons, getting them the, the, on, the, on the good team, getting them the practice daily that they need to develop. And I, I, I always cringe when I hear someone say, oh, my coach isn't teaching mm-hmm. my kid this. Um, coach, I've, I've coached enough to know that you can't completely be in charge and run – every player's development year round on your team. It's just not going to happen. You you're, you're managing the team. You're not developing that kid year round. So that was one, that's one thing I would definitely say to parents is take charge of your kid's development. Yeah. Another reason we're, we're developing this program is because not every kid has the benefit of having a parent out there uh, that's, that's willing to do that or maybe has the knowledge to do that. Right. Yes. That's a great point. So, so what we try to do and I'm big about, uh, creating what I call the independent ball player, a baseball player who, who can, in his own way, figure out what he needs to do on a daily basis to get better, to develop. Yes, I love uh, that idea. You, yeah, you have to understand at some point there's not going to be somebody there to hold your hand. You know, for your son, he's had you, which has been a huge benefit to him, whether he knows that or not yet. But at he some point, he's, does he? Good. Yeah. He yep. should. And he's going to go into the college game and the college game is going to get bigger for him or whatever. And, and whatever kind of level of success he finds there, eventually there comes a time when his knowledge base might exceed yours. Absolutely. You, I hope so. And it, you, you hope that, right. You hope that he, he, all these experience he has and stuff that he's doing uh, his knowledge level will exceed yours. So then he won't have you to fall back on then, Right. So he Correct. has to just continue to find ways to develop his own game understand his own game enough and be able to refine it. Like when you say making adjustments, things of that nature, he needs to find his own adjustments and his own pass. And the only way I've found uh, that you can be successful is that that's the mental aspects of it. Right. 
How do I make an adjustment? How do I do this? How do I refine my game? Once I kind of understand the skills that we're all going to keep working on, regardless, you have to keep uh, getting your cage work in. You have to keep doing a lot of these skill work things, but everybody's doing that. So the mindset's where it comes in and separates. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and one thing I see with, with a lot of players is good players come out of really good supportive systems and they mm-hmm. are learning all the time about the game. So I think players make good adjustments based on good knowledge. And one thing I'm super excited about is with the internet and with all of the things we have going on now with technology, we can get that good instruction to kids anywhere. And we can right. get them to them just, just like that in a second. They can have it. And I think we're just starting to see now – I, I see a ton of little tidbits offered here and there on the internet by really, really good instructors. I see very few really laid out planned processes like do this today. I think that's what players need. I think a lot of people understand the game and can see it and know what it looks like and know what it should look like. There's few people who can say this is what you need today. Go do this. Here's the process to, to grow and learn and and uh, that's what gets me pumped up is uh, knowing we can get that out to kids in a hurry. Well, and, and between me and you, Brad, uh, I think there's a lot of great coaches that are very capable of teaching skill sets, things of that nature. I don't think there's as many that have the, uh, the experience or, or maybe just the understanding to teach a kid exactly what you just said. What do I need to do today? You know, the perfect example is a routine. Uh, most most coaches and, and, and people don't understand that, that in order to succeed, a, a solid routine is, is pretty crucial. We thrive in environments of repetition. We thrive in environments of consistency. If you don't have those, those few little items, and that's as simple as going to the cage and getting some work in, well, what are you doing? You have to have a purpose with it, right? Yep, absolutely. And, and I think that's the purpose that we can get across to kids. Uh, when they start to understand the why and they understand good principles that go with it, I think one like one great principle I try to teach kids all the time is it's just a general principle of life is that in, in overall we overestimate what we can do in a year and we underestimate what we can do in five or ten. Mm-hmm. So that's just the power of sticking with it. I just told a kid in the weight room that just started yesterday, I said, I get tons and tons of kids that come in and go hard for a month. But the ones who make the real difference are the kids who stick with it and don't go gangbusters all at once, but they pace themselves and they get in the weight room three or four times a week for three, four or five years. Those are the kids that really make a difference. So sticking with it over time is, is the key to developing and becoming a good baseball player. I love your outlook because I even tell uh, people in my real estate business that exact same thing. It, it is a good life principle because you see so many people, we get extremely passionate about something in short bursts. Yes. To find to find success, it's got to be consistency over time, right? And it's not, like you said, you're not going to see all the results in day one. And we live in a society that we love instant gratification, and I love seeing a kid succeed. There's nothing better than watching a kid go out who's been struggling, who's been working hard, uh, hit the base, hit up the middle to, to drive in the, the game-winning RBI or something like that, right? Those, But it takes all that back work, the stuff that you're talking about. So when he does – Love those concepts and ideas. So for any kid that's listening out there, what Brad is saying is so true. It's not all about, you're not going to do it all in one day. You're not going to do it all in one year. 
it's kind of sticking with it and then learning how to have fun throughout that process. Yeah, that, that's exactly true. And that's what I'm starting a new business called the standout hitter. And it's basically going to be a free hitting instruction video. But my goal with it is to help people, help parents and coaches and leagues build great hitting cultures. I think good hitters come out of great hitting cultures. And um, the thing is, I always ask people, what is your hitter learning today about hitting? And quite often, like they go days and days and days and weeks without really learning any really good concepts. So I want this to be a daily hitting instruction video that isn't just mechanics it isn't just approach it isn't just a ti timing but it's hitting on all of the facets of what how do we develop this good consistent hitter and um, i think that's what the hitters need they just need a little bit of improvement every day and, and they need a process and direction like you said a process something to attach to that is achievable on a daily basis and and broken down into simple simple aspects simple mindset simple yes simple is better when it comes to hitting, uh, we both see it. You've seen it. The kids start struggling. The first thing that everybody wants to touch on is mechanics. And absolutely. And from what I've seen, a kid's swing is kind of what it is. My swing was kind of what it was. Uh, there's kind of a baseline there you're starting with. You can refine those mechanics and, and he needs to work on or she needs to work on those drills to be able to learn maybe to hit the ball the other way, do this different stuff. But at the end of the day, a lot of times when a kid's struggling, it's as much mental as physical. And that's the difference of baseball compared to all the other sports. You know, a lot of it isn't just mechanical. Hey, you need to run a quicker 40. You need to do this. We're trying to develop baseball players. Just like you, you said, you hit on the development part. Let's create a baseball player. So now when your son goes to his college program, he is a baseball player. He's not just a guy who can run the fastest 60 or throw the ball the hardest or hit the ball over the fence. He's going to be a guy who's going to add value to a program based on learning the skills of baseball, learning how to apply them into a game. And that's why I'm big about you practice with a purpose. So that way, when you do go to the game, you're learning the game of baseball. And, and from your experience when, with the perfect game systems and all this, what did you see? Was, was, was that the baseline factor or were people more worried about getting seen? You know, it's it's a hundred percent. People worry about getting seen, and what scouts are there at this game, and who am I playing against? And you know, it's it's really frustrating to see as a parent because the culture there at the perfect game showcase um, travel league type thing at the high school level is who's going to see my kid today. And when you come in with a developmental mindset like we did, with hey, my 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 son needs to hit against the best pitching to see what he can do to, to push his abilities. And we need to compete against the best kids to develop as a player. You're really fighting that culture. Mm -hmm. And it was, a, it was a struggle the entire time. Um, it, it was a lot of conversations between me and him, not to let us, either one of us, fall into that mindset. But uh, and, and, and I don't blame Perfect Game for it. They're, they're doing their job. Um, I think there's some things they could do better with development, with coaching and things like that. But I don't blame them at all. Um, I think parents have to take responsibility and, and help their kids learn uh, what they need to be learning. Yeah, I can see exactly what, what you might be saying. You know, I, and you see it at, at showcase camps where the kid throws the ball across from third base and is throwing it up into the stands just trying to, you know, hit the radar gun for the scouts that are behind him or whatever. Uh, that's not really conducive to learning how to play the game of baseball, in my opinion. 
my opinion would be, okay, a development stage would be let's work on your footwork and let's work on getting reads off the bat, things of that nature. And it sounds like uh, you, and this, this is something that, that just kind of sprung to me. You know your son better than anybody, right? Yep. You've seen him play since he was a little kid. You've watched him develop. You know his quirks. You know his ins and outs. You know probably what makes him tick. You probably know what makes him, uh, when he's failing, kind of what he needs. And I think uh, that's one of the strongest things you can have. And as any coach out there, if you can have a decent amount of the same core group of guys, I think it's valuable to kind of learn some of that about your players. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a great point. And I see coaches everywhere that can teach some of the X's and O's of the game. And then I see – other coaches who relate really well to the boys and the boys just love them. Um, I see very few coaches that can do both. And I think as, um, as, as thought leaders in, in this industry, we need to help grow up coaches who can do both of those things. Cause those are both learned skills and there's no way there. I mean, you can, every, every coach in the nation should have access to learning to be a better X's and O's coach and to be a better relating to kids coach um and that's what that's one thing that i see my my place in the next few years is really helping coaches learn that that's so awesome man you know the things that this game has done for me are are incredible just as far as you know being a small town kid from kansas and i i I went the same route as what your son's doing now uh going to a community college as opposed to a d1 i was very raw uh, coming out of high school, we played about 25 games in my high school season. I played on a, a little local team that, that traveled locally uh, when I was young that, that you know, got, we played 60 games a summer, played through the weekend, stuff like that. And then when I got into high school, I worked during the summer and played uh, a few games for a different Legion team because we didn't even have a Legion team at my high school. So when I, when I had to make the decision on where to go, uh, for me – it was about, uh, you know, playing time. It was about maybe we're a place where I could actually play because I'm a, I'm a little bit uh, one of those guys who I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of sitting on the bench and, and watching. I learned as I went, though, that was very valuable, too. So your decision uh, to go the JUCO route as opposed to maybe like an NAI or a D2 or even a, a D1, what, what was kind of the roots of that decision for you? A lot of schools. Um, so the so the JUCO thing and the academics wasn't really an issue for him. Um, we visited some schools, some four-year schools, and he quickly learned that they have how many uh, JUCOs don't. So mm-hmm. as soon as he heard that he could practice five, six hours a day, um, seven days a week, and he was 100%, and we didn't even look back. So that was the deciding factor for him. Mm-hmm. He just wanted more. He wanted more baseball. And then when we found a school that had had a great reputation really develop kids, really sending kids off to the next level and the next level after that, then it was a, a no-brainer. But we really didn't focus on the number behind the school, school's division, and we just, you know, looked at what's best for him and what's best for him and his development. Some kids want to go off and, and just be in a, a program, a big-time D1 program and set the bench, and they're fine with that, and they just want to be around it. And I think that's right for that kid if they want to try to do that. Um, even if they can't play at that level. But I think it's about looking at the individual kid and what's best for them and their overall experience and their development and not just like you are a success if you make it to this level and you're not if you're one notch below. Yeah, I completely agree. Kids 
I think are learning more by going what you're calling the developmental route, which I love. I absolutely love that, that idea and the concept of, it's not about, you know, me being uh, the, the kid that went to the D1 school and then you get to the D1 school and I've seen it happen even at my time at Wichita State and they kind of just fizzle out. Uh, next thing you know, they might even drop out of school. You know, they don't have something more to attach to. They don't have a reason to be there other than it's a D1 school. It's the one that gave me an offer and I'm going to accept it. I think you're already going in with the wrong mindset to be successful. If you are going to a D1 school, go there to win a job and to play. That's the way I look at it. If you're, if you're not going to a school to try to develop your skills and, and if you just want to be on the, on the baseball team and, and go to a D1 school because they have a good football team and you can go watch them on, on Saturdays, if that's your goal, that's cool. I don't think you're going to get as much out of it, not only in baseball, but in life. Because your son's about to go through a process where he's going to fail a bunch. He's going to learn a bunch. He's going to attach to different guys. It's going to be a really good experience for him from what I know. And I, I look forward to that for him. But I think I don't want to see kids shortchange themselves by making the wrong decisions here. Yeah, you know, and that, that developmental mindset when they're a kid, that helps them when they get to that next level too because I see tons of kids who had a had an amazing amount of success in high school and they are just all everything, never failed. And it was all about getting seen and, and who can see me and who wants me at the next level. And then they get to the next level and sometimes it's, it's difficult because they haven't, haven't – they still have to develop at that level too. They don't just, you don't just walk in there and just shine. That doesn't happen to very many kids. So um, you have that to, development. You have to prove it, prove it, prove it, prove it, prove it. And I just had a, a conversation with a buddy that I played with and he went the Juco route and was there with the, with the demeanor of, I need to do things to be more valuable to be on the team. Then from the Juco ball, he went to a smaller uh, school in Kansas, a four-year school at, at Pittsburgh state and he even said, he kind of thought, okay, it's my time to shine now, right? Like I put in my time at JUCO, it's my time to shine. And he kind of got away from that right mindset. And you, that's easy to do if you're a, a junior varsity uh, baseball player to high school. I've done it myself where I feel like I've earned something. So the next step is inevitable. And when I get there, it's automatic success. That could be if you're a, a, the a junior, uh, the, the JV player who then is a junior, now you're going to play on the varsity team and you're going to start uh, first base, you're not really owed anything. And I think, like, you hit on the topics of, like, stick with the process, stick to the development, don't worry so much about the outcome, always try to get better on a daily basis, and then find a structure that's going to work for you. Yeah, and, you know, that hits on to another life principle that we need to teach kids and, and that you talked about walking in and just assuming he was going to shine there and you know that's that goes to the principle of there's two types of baseball players those are that are humble and those that are about to be humbled I think maybe Joe Madden said that I'm not sure a lot of people have said it but it's a great concept to teach kids and every baseball player in America should know that that if you're in the game of baseball you need to stay humble um, and you can ask Bryce Harper you know right now this year he's not having that great a year and and um, you know some humility and hard work goes a long way with young kids everybody struggles at some point even Bryce Harper uh -huh. so learning that concept is a great life principle just to stay humble and keep your keep your head down and keep working that's what I love about baseball you're as soon as you think you got this thing figured out and you think you're the man you're, you're about to get buggy whipped and slapped in the face somehow right <laughs> that's yep. just I've 
I've spent nights as a grown man wanting to curl up in a little ball. But I know that that's not conducive to success. We're going to go through failures. They hurt. It's painful. It's part of the process that the final outcome it makes is, is way better. The things I learned in baseball I use in my life now, and I really truly believe that it is going to make me successful in whatever I do. Understanding that you just keep your head down, you keep working hard, you keep going towards a goal, and then start breaking it down on a little different level as you refine them, you know, understanding your skill set, things of those nature, uh, of that nature, uh, as the kids get older and develop, which, which you're, you're starting to see your kid probably do, which has got to be exciting for you to see, okay, all this stuff that we put in, all this investment into uh, his development and his middle game, now he's going to go to junior college and he's got to keep with that. And the higher level you go in baseball, the more it hurts when you fail. It's just the way it is. I don't know why that is. It should be as easy as saying, well, baseball's baseball. It's 90 feet. Uh, it's, it's 60 feet, six inches. Just go out there and play. I love that mindset. But it, it, inevitably, the more you invest into something, the more it hurts when something doesn't go right. But the more, the more you feel great when it happens. Now, with that said, I was a huge proponent and still am to this day of what I uh, like an even kill mindset, right? So the roller coaster effect, and I, I've seen a lot of guys do it. They get go up, 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 up. They get real high, really, really high, and they're succeeding and everything's going great. It's inevitable. You're about to, you're probably about to crash and burn. So you have to find a way to keep that even mindset throughout the entire game and the entire process. Cause as you go up, Next thing you know, if you're doing well, more people are patting you on the back. But it's like anything, when you're, when you're not going well, what have you done for me lately? It's just kind of the nature of the game saying, okay, now there's nobody in your corner. And that goes back to independent, independent ball player and, and things that, that we're, we're going to teach in this program and we're putting together that I think are invaluable for a kid. Yeah, you know, those are great points. And I, and I love how now – in order to build that strong foundation, one, one life principle that kids need is everything that's worth doing and is good has a strong foundation. And so that young baseball player that's grown up, when your kid is five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, building that foundation is key to him being able to handle those things that hit him down the road. So one thing, one theory I have with young baseball players is um, the more you play and are around the game by your own choice, the stronger your foundation is going to be. So what I like to do with people and parents and kids is, is I say, okay, add up all your baseball experiences and they're it, this whole package of baseball experiences. So that can be watching the game. That can be going to pro games. That can be playing in your backyard. That can be playing on a league. That can be anytime you've been around the game. Now, if 75% of those times in baseball, it was your choice to go do it and you weren't required and you've made the choice, I'm going to go be involved with the game right now you're going to have a pretty strong foundation because you're around the game. If every time you're around the game, there's a coach and an umpire and a tournament, you're in big trouble because mm -hmm. that foundation is weak. We want you to spend time watching the game, learning about it, talking about it, having fun in it, enjoying yourself. Enjoying yourself is, is what I like to use instead of fun. I don't like to use the word fun around baseball. I think it is fun, but fun's so subjective. Like I can say, super hard work is fun, but you might think goofing off is fun. And now we have a problem. Yeah. So, so what I like to use the word, I like to use the word enjoy. Am I choosing to enjoy my time being around the game? 
And when you're immersed in the game like that, and and a majority of your time is when you decided to go out and play the game or watch the game or talk about it, now the foundation is strong. Now I can handle whatever comes my way because I love the game and I have this base of enjoying being around the game of baseball. And enjoyment is something that is, I think, fleeting at times. Today, kids are, are pulled in a lot of different directions. You know, there's there's a lot less uh, going out and just playing with your buddies on a when you're not even you don't even have to go play. You're outside, you're playing. You know, we both probably grew up that way more than a kid now, where they have access to more video games, computers, cell phones. Uh, the world and society telling them, well, you know, you got to if you're going to be uh, the lead in the play, you can't go play baseball too. You know, so what 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 is the what's going to be kind of the the way? I think as a parent, they should approach some of these things. When you say enjoyment, the kid might say, well, I enjoy sitting here playing a video game as opposed to going to the baseball diamond when, when in reality, there's not a lot of fulfillment in that. I don't think they're going to get much fulfillment out of that. And that's where it takes a little wisdom as an adult to understand, hey, you know, that video game is going to be very fleeting. What's, what are they really getting out of it? And then getting them in a position to go learn kind of what true enjoyment is and attaching to that. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think that starts with a parent. And one of the things I like to do is teach every single player that I have uh, encounters with daily about leadership. Because I think everyone's a leader, even if you're only leading yourself or you're only other, only leading one other person on the team, you're still a leader. So I don't believe in captains really that much. I believe in teaching every single person on the team leadership principles. And so I think when we're teaching that, those leadership principles, the kids young, we know as parents that we're setting the standard. We know the kids are going to do what we do. They're going to copy us. And if they see us sitting around and being lazy, they're going to sit around and be lazy. If they see us working out, watching our health, eating right, going to the gym, lifting weights, I mean, kids are going to go do those things just because we do them. And so I think uh, learning to enjoy something, like you said, you really nailed it when you said, Enjoy something that fulfills you. Don't enjoy something that's empty and doesn't, isn't going to give any, add any value to your life. So I think as parents, we set that tone. And, and if, we're, if we're having a blast with our kid out in the backyard playing catch or hitting a ball around or playing another sport with them and doing stuff, engaging in their lives, then I think they're going to find enjoyment and fulfillment in that stuff too. Presence is huge with kids. Uh, as, as men and as women who, who have kids and, or are leaders of kids or or in a role of leadership with kids, the presence, the actual presence of not just, Hey, we're going to go through the motions uh, today because nobody else would coach the team, but I raised my hand and now I kind of wish I wouldn't have. I had a tough day at work. Uh, You know, me and my wife were fighting, whatever it is. I always say, Hey, leave that stuff uh, at the house. If you're going to go coach kids, are you going to do something you need to be, we need to, as people, be that positive influence, that encouragement, that kind of light, like you just said, and lead by an example. Like walk in with a smile on your face and walk in with a good attitude and some energy. And I've seen kids that are so shy and a group of kids that won't even hardly talk to by the end of it, they're having so much fun. They're, they're talking, they're conversing, they're learning, they're enjoying learning just from simply having a good attitude and a good presence about yourself when, when you're with them. Yeah. And, and you're right. And I think having energy on a baseball field is a really misunderstood thing with, with youth and high school programs all the time. I see 
coaches who want energy and they think energy is screaming and yelling in the dugout. So I think we have to teach people what good energy on the baseball field is. What, what, and, and good energy is about posture. It's about pace. It's about talking about the game, being, having your head in the game, knowing what's going on. Um, there's so many, and, and the coach leads the way. And I really want to be a resource for coaches to know how to bring that energetic, good baseball energy. There's, I think there's bad baseball energy and there's good baseball energy and the screaming and yelling and going nuts thing isn't good energy for the baseball game it doesn't promote the pace of the game and how the game is supposed to be played I couldn't agree more I always say you know you don't play football or you don't play baseball with a football mentality it's a different game there's too much going on there's too much you have to think about you know it's not like the opening kickoff where you're running down and your adrenaline is spiked so far through the roof that you're not even thinking you're just trying to go tackle somebody right it's it's a refined game and you have to have an energy that's conducive to playing the game. When, when a kid is at – when he's hitting, just take for instance, if, if a kid's up there hitting or if I was up there hitting, if I'm thinking about I'm going to crush this ball and oh, I'm going to hit a home run and your, your fists get tight, your face gets tight, your body's tight, front shoulder pulls out, and you strike out, you pop up, whatever. That's, that's the kind of negative energy Brad's talking about right now. It was energy. It was like, oh, yeah, here we go. Rah, 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 rah. But was it conducive to success? Of course not. The same way as a coach, if, if a kid's up there and he's getting ready to hit, come on, get ready for the fastball. You got to get your foot down on time, blah, 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 right? That would be a way to say, okay, I'm bringing energy because I'm not just sitting here doing nothing. But is it conducive for the success? And I love that you brought up good energy versus bad because – I was always a believer, you know, the raw, raw stuff on the dugouts, a lot of eyewash, it's a lot of show. But good energy is, okay, when, when your buddy uh, strikes out and he's got his head down, go give him a pat on the butt, say, hey, you'll get him next time, man. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and just knowing things like, um, I think it's Popovich that talks about touches on a team, and, and that can be fist bumps, that can be pats on the back. But, you know, it's, it's pretty much proven that, that, that the more touches the teams have, a team has um, throughout their game, throughout their day, the better they're going to play. And that means they're connected as a group. And just knowing that as a coach and saying, hey, hey, cheer each other on, give each other fist bumps, you know, high fives, um, say a word of encouragement. That's, that's the type of energy we're talking about. And, like, if I could get one thing across to coaches um, when they're coaching hitting, it would be get your players, teach them every day, and then get them to relax up there and take a deep breath and focus on the ball. I think um, there's some good mental stuff I've heard between uh, clutter and clarity. I think – there's a lot of clutter in hitting, and I think the clutter um, – a lot of coaches go away from the clutter, and they don't – they want to ignore it and not talk about it. I want to talk about it. I want to dig in deep into the clutter and know all the ins and outs of mechanics and approach and timing and the physics of it. I want to understand every angle of it, and then I want to take that clutter and I want to switch over to clarity mm-hmm. when it's time because I think that's what how you develop a good, consistent hitter is they know all those things. They're not going up there ignorant just taking hacks. They know exactly what's going on. But then flipping that switch from clutter over to clarity. And that clarity is, is take a deep breath, relax, and see the ball and hit it yeah. and trust yourself. That's the clarity when you're in the box. And that's the switch I talk about. As soon as you step out of the on-deck circle, you need to think physically about a switch, switch in your mind. So in an on-deck circle, you're thinking about maybe one or two mechanical things, maybe timing the pitcher, maybe seeing, maybe really thinking through what you want to try to do with the plate. And then as soon, as soon as that first step comes out of the box, it's a switch. And you see that switch in your mind. And you flip it over to clarity, and that's deep breath, relax, see it, and hit it. 
and nothing it, else. Yeah, the time for clutter and trying to declutter what, what you might say is in the cage and at practice, right? You, you're never going to be successful in a, in a game if you're in the box, and I've done it, and I know it doesn't work because I've done it, and I've seen other guys do it, and they talk about it, right? It's, uh, okay, my hands need to be here. I need my foot down uh, at this time. Okay, I need to get this and this and this. Okay, I need to look at the pitcher's ball cap. I need to see it out of his hand. Uh, no, 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 no. When, when you're clarity, the best times in life are when you're not thinking about anything. When you're really stroking, you're not thinking about anything. When a pitcher's in a groove and he's hitting his spots, he's not thinking about anything. Now, it's inevitable that old, uh, old Charlie Struggle comes up and, and hits us on the back, and then that's when the clutter starts coming in. And then you're at uh, Taco Bell after the game, and you're trying to get hitting advice from the guy that's, that's uh, giving your food through the drive-thru because now you're just looking for anything to attach to. So clutter is, is that, in, in my opinion, of thinking about all these different mechanical issues and thinking about what's the, the guy in the stands thinking about me uh, as a pitcher. I, am I hitting 93 on the radar gun today? You know, that's the clutter. The clarity is let's have a simple task, something that's extremely achievable. And when you said flip a switch, for me and a lot of guys, that switch would be as simple as, okay, as I'm walking up to the plate, given the situation, you know, situation dependent, what's a very simple, achievable goal that I have in mind? And if in doubt, it's hit the ball back up the middle, right? Just how, how, can, I, how can I hit this ball as hard as I can? or how, not as hard as you can, just take a nice swing and hit it right back up the middle. Simple plan. When you get in the box, I'm a huge proponent of hitting is from the ground up. So when you get in the box, your face is a muscle. I'm a huge proponent of if you relax your face, your entire body relaxes. If you watch any, any hitter that's, that's doing well, their face is almost it's sometimes it's like their their mouth's open and they're catching flies. That's how relaxed their face is. That's a relaxed mind. Now we call it the the get the get yourself out face or I'm about to get out. I we saw this in film when we'd watch pictures. Guys up there squinting and it, you can just say, see he's got some some uh, uh, anxiety and there's some tenseness in his face that that's a direct correlation of what your brain's thinking. He's not, he's not focused on something that's really simple like, okay, I'm going to hit the ball at the shortstop this time or I'm going to hit the ball at the second baseman. Something achievable, the same way with, with strike zone presence. People get so frustrated and they say, you know, he needs to learn plate discipline. He needs to learn plate discipline. Quit swinging at bad pitches. All that's going to do is feed into this realm of he starts swinging at more bad pitches and he's not swinging at the ones he should or not squaring up the ones he should. Then the kid's completely confused. He doesn't have something to attach to. You know, and that's some great coaching right there, and that's some great advice, and that's really adding value to a parent who can listen to that and say, okay, we're out doing batting practice right now. We're hitting off the tee. Relax your face, and, and, and that's going to relax your whole body, and, and that's, that's amazing, and I love it. And I'm going to take some notes on that because I want to start teaching that too. Um, and that's what, that's what these parents need. They just need what can we talk about today that's more than just posting a video of my kid hitting and saying, what's he doing wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all about when, uh, the approach to the game. And it doesn't stop on the offensive side of the ball. It's on the defensive side of the ball as well. I was, uh, you know, when I played outfield, I would move around 
I would understand that me, by focusing on the defensive side, it's going to help every part of my game. By me focusing on the base pass with those same kind of mindsets, simple and understandable, when kids aren't getting good jumps in the outfield, it's, it's pretty simple to me. They're not looking in the right place. So, for instance, and I'll just, I'll just start coaching a little bit here. I know because the whole program, we're, di- we're going to dissect. We're dissecting all this stuff, and it's going to be available, and it's going to be pretty good content in my opinion, the podcast is getting more ideas on other stuff, but just I'll coach up a a kid who's not getting a good jump on a baseball. If you think about, okay, where's this hitter got to make contact with the baseball for it to come to me? That's the first thing you have to ask yourself. So if I'm playing left field and there's a left-handed hitter up, it's going to be deeper in the zone. If you're looking at the hitter, if you're just looking at the hitter while you're on defense, you're already way behind the game. You need to be looking at where he's going to strike the baseball. Not, not, a, not such a laser focus that all you see is the, like the little part of a catcher's glove, but the general direction your focus needs to be on, where is he going to hit the baseball for it to come to me? If I'm in left field and the left-handed hitter's up, I know it's deeper in the, in the zone. So I might be looking out away from him and behind him. Yeah, that's great coaching right there. And that's, uh, as our buddy Sheetinger would say, that's certified audio gold when you're in the field. Um, <laughs> That, so, so that's awesome. I love it. And then you could bring, you know, you can pull a drill out of that and you're hitting fungos to your kid at, uh, at shortstop and you're going to show him a ground ball to the other side, the first baseman, and he's got to call out that ground ball as soon as he sees that it's not coming to him. As soon as he sees that location where you throw the ball in the air, he's, he's triggered and saying something immediately recognize that ball is not coming to him. And then he also recognized where you got to throw that ball as a fungo hitter to hit that ball straight to him. And then he goes and reacts and goes and catches it. So that's teaching him to read early, read the ball early. Um, so there's a drill you can do that comes right off of what you just taught. And another, uh, and this, this is something. So a coach for the fungo, all you need, if you have an L screen and you have a bucket of baseballs, you can get a lot of work done. So Very true. This, this will even, this will even, this can be an entire team drill where a guy's hitting. You're throwing front flips, and for any of you that don't know what a front flip is, all it is is you turn the L screen around to where you're behind the big part of it, set down on a bucket, and I think it's one of the most powerful tools in baseball. I saw Miguel Cabrera do it every day. The guy never even hit off the tee. Uh, you can flip one of your hitters the ball in the zone. If Say you've got a left-handed hitter that's trying to work on hitting the ball the other way. Have your, I have a, a couple guys at short, a guy at third, and say, hey, just start peppering ground balls over to these guys they're naturally going to pick up on where that ball has to be for him to hit it over there. Your hitter's going to start learning how to wait on the ball to hit it over there. And we're talking about accumulation of learning a lot of things with one drill. Now I know, I know with coaching now you're by yourself a lot of times, you know, guys, you don't have like four or five guys to where another coach could be doing something else with the kids, but this might be just little stuff you can do before and after practice, have a few guys come out guys that need to work on something and uh do drills like that one thing i found too with parents that's that's really important when i hear parents wanting to help their kids learn how to play baseball um if you have a kid that wants to pitch i tell them the most important thing you can do is not go buy a pitching instructor for him that's important and that's good and there's videos and there's great instructors all over the place but the most important thing you can do is learn how to squat like a catcher and buy a catcher's mitt Mm -hmm. that's the number one thing Um, i always tell the story i was a college pitcher and i learned to pitch because from a really young age, my dad would go play catch with me every single day and squat down there and catch. And I got to pitch every single day. And he took me to clinics. He took me all over the place. 
he couldn't teach me anything as far as pitching because he just didn't play the game. He didn't know the game as far as teaching it. But he was out there every single day with his with his mitt on, and that's how I learned to pitch. And I think the same thing is is true with hitters and fielders. If the most important thing you can do for your young hitter isn't to get him hitting lessons, it's learn to throw batting practice behind the L screen and go buy a bucket of balls. Um, no doubt. From no doubt. From a young from a young age, from about age four, when we were hitting wiffle balls in the backyard, it was a whole bucket or two or three buckets. It wasn't three balls. And yeah. um, even now with my 18-year-old son, when we go to hit at the local hitting facility, we walk in there with three buckets of balls, and he gets to take 150 cuts off the tee, off short toss, with all kinds of different loaded bats, underweight bats, overloaded bats, batting practice, all kinds of things. He, he gets 150 cuts before we pick up a single ball, single ball. And so, you know, there are things you can do with your kid that are, that are way more important than getting him on the right team or getting him with the right instructor. I couldn't agree more. Uh, and that comes back to that, you know, being present. And I promise you one thing, you can, you can get your kid uh, hitting lessons for me personally. I don't, I don't even do hitting lessons. You know, first of all, some of it's a time thing, but second of all, I don't feel like that's the best way I can help a kid. I agree completely. I've never liked the hitting lesson for teaching a kid how to hit. I think occasionally if a kid can get a lesson, sometimes that's good, but, but it, it never, it, it, unless you have really, really high level kids who are wanting to get a lesson a week from a really good instructor, someone that can help them other than that type of situation it it, I don't see success from it very often. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can sit there and flipping balls and tell them, okay, your hands are here. Uh, you know, you're coming around the baseball and we can make some minor adjustments to them. But what I've always seen when I, when I help a kid, it's pretty fleeting, you know, uh, you get them to where they might stroke a few. Okay. Everybody's happy, happy. And then what happens is they come back in a week or two weeks or whatever. And it's like nothing even happened because there's not that consistency behind it. Yeah, you're exactly right. To give them that consistency, those thought processes. Okay. Here's a routine for you. Now go do this every day. And then at that point, it's kind of up to the kid and the parents. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that's why the, the daily thing that I'm going to do with the standout hitter is because kids need a little bit of that instruction daily. I see, most kids who get a lesson, they come to me and their parents pay me 40 or 60 or 80 bucks, whatever it is. And I feel like I have to provide value for that money. So I'm wanting to coach the kid a lot. And I'm forcing this kid to drink water out of a fire hose. He's thirsty yeah. and he, he needs a drip. He needs a little drinking fountain. And I'm throwing him a water hose and he's drowning. And Analysis no paralysis. Way, yep. And there's no way he can absorb and learn and know the the 50 things i'm trying to teach them at once so that's why that's why i found that lessons don't work small five minutes of instruction a day every day 365 days a year works yep well it gets rid of the clutter you know you talked about clutter so if if i go into a hitting cage and and it's happened to me throughout my career in baseball and somebody's just starting to dissect me and they're breaking this down and they're breaking that down and and what I learned is, and part of the independent ball player uh, things that we go through is learning how to learn. I think learning is a skill. It's an acquired skill. It takes a little time and a little understanding of, I think there's so many people that have great tidbits. And I always thought to myself, and I got to the point where instead of listening to every single thing and dissecting every single thing and trying to implement it in my game, as I learned, myself a little bit learned my swing a little bit i started understanding oh i you know i'm gonna try that in a cage 
And, it, and then if I tried it in the cage, it might work for me. And then I implement that in my game. Now, that might have been one thing out of eight things the guy told me. Right? So I learned right away, okay, I'm not a big power hitter. I'm a, I'm a linear hitter. I go get the ball. I don't set on my back foot. So if he starts teaching me things about, you know, oh, the squash, the bug, and da 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 stay on your backside. You need to get your foot down early. I learned that didn't work for me. It just wasn't my body type, the way I'm built. I'm bow-legged. I look like I've ridden a horse for about two years. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But the way I swung the baseball bat and the way I could be effective at swinging the baseball bat was understanding a little bit of that. And, but that takes a lot of time, right? That takes a lot of it, development. It takes a lot it, of it, understanding. But learning how to learn is so important. That, that, that couldn't be more true. And, and I think the mindset of the coach – the, the abundance versus the scarcity mindset says that I'm going to, I know all these as a coach, I know these things I can help a player with, but there's some things that I might teach that might not work for him. So the important thing the players need to learn and coaches need to understand too, is that um, you can't just expect the people who play for you to do everything exactly like you teach it. It's, it's coaching baseball is more of, I'm going to give you an idea and here's this idea. I want you to mull over this idea and think about it. I want you to give it a shot and try it and see if it works or see if it doesn't. And one of, one of the best things I've learned is when I read like a hitting book, sometimes I disagree with almost everything in it, but everything gets me thinking. It spurs mm -hmm. on thoughts. And, and that's another principle that I want to teach is the principle is ideas in versus ideas out. And ideas in equals ideas out. That's the principle. So when you're putting ideas into your head, you're thinking about stuff. Now you have ideas that come out, stuff that works for you. Um, these coaches that are baseball coaches and my way or the highway coaches, I think aren't going to find success in the game. You need to give kids ideas, give them coaching, and then let them go see what works for them. It's always comes down to, and especially kids, uh, male athletes uh, in particular, there's certain ages where from about 14 to about 22, they're a little bit harder to get through to especially for a coach that's been there with them or a dad that's been there with them. And when I go around, if I'm talking to a baseball team, a lot of times what I do is say, Hey, you know, what are you guys having issues with? What do you want to work on? Or what have you been telling these boys? And if I agree with it, all I'm doing is reinforcing a lot of the same stuff that they've probably been doing, but because of my background and because I'm a different face, it's a little bit, it's a little bit better level of sinking in. You know what I mean? It sinks in a little bit more with them. It's not the end-all, be-all. And that's why I try to make coaches understand when I go talk to them, hey, hey, you know, what do you guys want out of this? What have you been working on? What have you been training these guys and girls to do? Let me help be a, a little bit of a mediator, a little bit of an advocate, if I agree with you. Obviously, if they're, if they're out there and, and doing things that I'm like, yeah, I don't agree with that at all, I can't be passionate about it, right? But if, I, if I'm kind of on the same wavelength, which I've found, Almost a lot of times I am. I might say it a little different than them. I might do it a little different approach. But all I'm doing is reinforcing what good coaches have already been telling them. But the kids hear it on a day-in and day-out basis, and they're like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah, we need to learn how to bunt. We need to learn how to do this. Yeah, yeah, yada, yada. And then when I come and do it and get them fired up about doing it, they're like, man, that was so great. You know, last week we had one of our, our, our best week of practices. We went into this weekend, and we saw – uh, not just success with a win, but hey, you know, we were playing as a team, the guys were having fun. And that's, that's the most rewarding part of it for me. 
and me understanding uh it's really all, all i'm doing is reinforcing what what, what people are are saying yeah you really nailed it there and and sometimes that just takes getting your kid in front of a new new person and that can be watching a video on the internet or that can be a major leaguer like yourself coming and talking to a baseball team you're going to have an influence that those dads don't have uh-huh. i you know i can tell i can tell my 18 year old son something right now about hitting and model it for him and show it to him but if he sees a slow motion swing of miguel cabrera doing it it means way more much more of course. than just me so so that's why getting other have, having other influences come in with your kids it's so huge it can it can open up a whole new world and and either reinforce or or bring up a new principle a new idea yeah so cool always keep learning learning is the key knowledge is really the key you know you have whatever skill sets you have you're trying to trying to accomplish a task that gets a result uh the misnomers in there are knowledge and focus right between the skill set that you have and the task you're trying to accomplish the more knowledgeable you are about what you're trying to that task you're trying to accomplish and how you can use those skills to accomplish it at a, a more efficient rate all the time and then add that focus element. And that's really breaking it down to what people say is too simple of a level. But I've found that the simpler your, your thought process are on a lot of this stuff, the more effective it is. Yeah, you know, and all this stuff you're talking about is, is learning the mental game of baseball and learning, learning some of the mental things of hitting. I think that's the key towards developing consistent hitters. I think pretty much everything we work on with, a hitter as, as coaches is making that hitter more consistent and making him square the, helping him to square the ball up more. And I, I'm developing this new stat that is kind of in the starting stages, of it, but it's going to measure a hitter's consistency versus streakiness. And I think all those traits we're trying to teach are teaching that hitter to be more consistent, how to make better adjustments, pitch to pitch, bat to bat, and, and day to day. And the better adjustments they make and the better they know their swing, the more consistent they can be. I, I, I think hitters who – can give you those solid good swings every single night and square more balls up on a on a nightly basis are better hitters than the ones who hit a buck 25 for the first month and then hit 475 for for the next month so i think consistency is what we want i i have this kind of idea that a consistent hitter helps the team win more games than a streaky hitter oh that's what we're trying to do that's what we're trying to do and and but the funny thing is we have no way to measure that there's no measurement let's say let's say we have two hitters in the major leagues that have the exact same statistical offensive line their numbers are exactly the same but one is super streaky and one is very consistent my philosophy is the consistent one helps his team win more games i can't prove it yet i don't know how to prove it but i think that's the case and but what i want is a then a, then a process to teach that hitting consistency why is that one hitter more consistent and that other one is more streaky yeah consistency so at the at the end root of it, consistency is going to start breeding in, in the developmental stages. When you start focusing on uh, what I would consider a quality at bat over a result. So if you're giving kids an idea of something that's very achievable and they can accomplish time and time again, uh, as it could be as easy as you know uh, trying to hit the ball off the pitcher's foot, things that are really easy and achievable. And mm-hmm. when they when they get close to that goal or do achieve that goal. It might be seeing 14 pitches in a bat, 12 pitches in a bat. Even if they punch out, say, oh, man, great at bat. That's a quality at bat. And start tracking quality at bats over results. What will happen is they attach to that, and inevitably those achievable goals get a little bit uh, – get uh, more consistent. So you take a kid who's been punching out a lot, doesn't really have an idea of what's going on, give them an idea every single time they're at the plate. 
if it's move a runner over, if there's a runner at second with less than two outs and he hits a ground ball to second, you should praise that like he just hit a three-run homer. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's great advice. And I'm going to take it back even a step further. So how do we start building that consistency and how do we build that good swing with a kid who's five, six, seven, eight? Because that's what parents are really wanting to know. What can I do with my kid? And I have this idea that T-ball is really ruining a lot of kids' swings because the bat's way too heavy and it's not a real game-like swing. And, and when you talk to good hitting instructors, they're, they're teaching hitting ideas in this order. They're teaching approach, then timing, and then mechanics. And I think yeah. the approach always has to be the most important. What are we actually trying to do here? And so I see a lot of kids just dribbling the ball off the tee and they're not working on approach at all, and they're not working on timing at all. And I think five-year-old hitters can absolutely work on approach and timing. So this is what I do with them. This is what I did with my son. It helped him really learn just some amazing confidence and some amazing bat speed at five, six, seven years old. So I did nothing. We d- he didn't pick up a metal bat until he was eight. Didn't even pick one up. And that's overcoming status. The status, it says, to me, I have to have my kid in the league. Everyone has to see how good he is. Everyone has to see that he can play shortstop now at six years old. And we have to ignore the status and look what those kids need for development. So they need uh, – I hit nothing but, but a bucket full of wiffle balls and the big red fat bat with my son at four, five, six, and seven. And he learned a really good swing from both sides of the plate. He had amazing bat speed, and he launched probably 100 to 200 home runs every single night over the hedges in the house. And mm-hmm. that, was, that was the approach. So at, at four years old, I was teaching him approach. And the approach was swing hard and launch the ball a mile. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was doing from that, from that young age. He did it every night and 100 times a night. And his bat speed was amazing. He had a very good fundamental mechanical swing because we had the approach and the timing right. And now we fast forward, you know, he's, he's starting on the varsity team as an eighth grader, and he can time a varsity pitcher because he has great timing. And he had better timing than other kids, so he plays. And so yeah. at a young age, they need to learn approach and timing. And these coaches that say we can't teach approach and timing to a four-year-old, I completely disagree. <laughs> the approach give, them a, that, give them a task. Exactly. All you got to do They'll is give them an idea and give them a task. Give them something. Yes. And like you said, okay, try to hit this ball over, over the neighbor's fence. You know? Yep. See how many times you can do it. And then what they do, it, it's, and it makes it fun. It, it's not just out there just swinging to swing and – Anytime there's kind of something that's an end-all, be-all goal, like for him at that age, it was, okay, I need, I'm going to launch this ball over the fence. When he saw that result of what he was trying to do, it's showing him a little success with an idea, right? Yeah. I think that's genius. That's genius. Give him an idea, and, and that gives him – it breeds that, that fulfillment as opposed to the fleeting fun, fun, fun factor, like, you know, go have fun. If you ask any team on the planet, I go around – and talk to little kids. I was just at the Boys and Girls Club. A lot of these kids don't even play baseball. They don't even know what the game's about. I have them on the bench. I said, all right, what's the number one thing you need to do in baseball? Or what's the number one thing we want to do today? And they all say, have fun. Like, you know, <laughs> yep. It's, it's just kind of like the everybody's told them that. That's what their parents said. Hey, just go have fun and play, you know. But what is, what is uh, fun and what is enjoyment? It's getting some fulfillment of seeing a little success seeing a little something that, yeah, I accomplished a goal. And I, I, it's the same way in an employment with what you do for a living. There's two kinds of people out there. There's people who want to uh, whine and complain about the job they have that, you know, this and this. And instead of, okay, how do I go in life? And whether you're a, a, the garbage truck uh, 
garbage man or you're uh, Donald Trump, president of the United States, how do I go out there and find some fulfillment in what I'm doing and make it enjoyable? And there's so much, there's such a big, bigger reward in life. It's, I think it would handle a lot of what these kids deal with, with depression issues and all the stuff we see in society now is if parents kind of break it down like you did with your son and start doing some of these things at a little bit younger age. And then obviously you being there as an influence in his life is timeless. There's something about having dad around and not dad at work 24 seven, but dad was out there, you know, flipping me some, some balls in the backyard. That's freaking huge. Yeah, you're right. It's big. And then, and then to increase that hitting culture and make it even better at that age, you set up bases and have them, you know, show them on TV, a, a, a major leaguer hitting a home run and what a big deal it is. And that's cool. And that's what we're doing here. We're trying to copy that. We're trying to have that fun and that excitement and that enjoyment hitting that home run and then let them run the bases and give them a high five. And, and remember the touches increase, you know, if we can give them a high five or a knuckle bump or a pat on the back, that increases community and that increases uh, the, the culture touches do. So, so give them that excitement and cheer them. Go nuts when they hit a home run. And then yeah. back them up a little bit and see if they can hit it from, from another five feet further away and push them. And kids can be pushed. And, I, and I'm a firm believer, and we talk about burnout a lot with young kids, with, with uh, youth sports and things like that. And I, I'm a firm believer that burnout doesn't come from playing too much alone. And I can mm-hmm. testify to that. My, my, my son played – three seasons, a spring, a summer, and a fall season, all through high school. He played over 100 games. We played as much as anybody. and But it was always – expectations were always right. So I, I firmly believe that the burnout comes from unrealistic expectations and not from playing too much. Playing too much can contribute to it, but that's not the root cause. It's unreasonable expectations. So when he gets in the car after a perfect game tournament in Chicago, I'm not railing on him for striking out against a good pitcher. I'm saying – Hey, what'd you learn from that? Or maybe we don't even talk about it or just like mm-hmm. your, your expectations are the most important thing for your kid. Do you expect that they're going to be perfect all the time or do you expect them to learn? Yeah. Um, it, it had a big influence on me when I learned, I think, I'm not sure who it was. But I think it maybe it's the CEO of uh, Spanx. Who's the, who's the youngest woman billionaire in the world. And growing up every single day, her parents would ask her at the kitchen table at night, what did you fail at today? And they didn't ask her what she dominated, how she was awesome. They say, what did you try and fail at? And then what did you learn? And mm-hmm. that set her mindset in place to go, to go do something no one's ever done, become a, a 20-something woman billionaire. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the mindset. It wasn't railing on her for her mistakes. It was saying, hey, what did you try that you weren't good at yet that you failed at? And what did you learn from it? And that's what they talk about every single night. So I think expectations are huge with kids. That's powerful stuff, man. Brad? Uh, this has been some serious knowledge drop. I appreciate you so much. Uh, nothing but the best of luck to you and your uh, son moving forward, you and your family. Uh, if, if there's one, one little tidbit, one little thing, you know, this is going to be your, your daily thing to uh, uh, parents out there. What is one thing you can tell them today that, that's going to help them uh, with their kids in the future? You know, I would say um... – the most important thing is, is your kid needs encouragement and he needs good direction. So he needs both those things. He needs you teaching them good principles and then, and then they need some pats on the back. They don't need you yelling at them, being hard on them all the time. You have to know when to push a kid. Kids need to be pushed occasionally. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need to be gentle about it. Sometimes you need to be a little more firm and that takes some wisdom as a parent. 
but but your kid needs you involved in their life daily and they need you modeling and teaching good principles so um jack canfield one of the books i love is uh jack canfield success principles that book is amazing as far as here's a principle i can go teach that to my kid today or as a coach i can teach that principle to my kid today so i think that'd be that'd be the one thing is is be there for him and teach him awesome awesome so brad thank you so much for being on the show this is uh get your game right we're, we're trying to help uh players parents coaches uh learn some of these these ideas these skills uh to always continue always continue to push yourself a little bit always continue to develop a little bit quicker development is one of the main keys in baseball and brad pointed on it a million times Brad, thanks for so much for being on the show, man. We're, we'll probably have to do this again. Hey, I would love that, Andy, and keep doing what you're doing. You're doing awesome things, and, and keep growing and learning as a coach, and I will too, and uh, let's stay in contact. Awesome. Have a great day. Thanks, Brad. Yep, you too.